Now this morning, let's turn again to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to read from the verse 12. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Let's hear the word of God. Philippians 2, verse 12. You can find the place. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither laboured in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. We'll end the reading there at verse 18 and we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now we do welcome all of you this morning again to our church service. As you're well aware, this is the last Lord's Day morning service here in the Killingur Schoolhouse. The work, remember, was started 42 years ago and then it was constituted 22 years ago in November 1996. And this is a, a special day in a sense, but it's also a sad day. I'm conscious of that, and um, I trust the Lord will help us this morning in our worship. Now, my text this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 2 and the verses 14 and 15. As we continue our series in the book of Philippians, I felt that this was an appropriate text for Today, do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And that's my theme for today shining for Christ in a sinful world. Now, let's remember the context. The Apostle Paul is in prison at Rome, he's awaiting either freedom or death. He has formed the believers at Philippi, and us, of course. That no matter what happens to him, here's what he can say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And what follows from his pen, especially from verse 27, is a call to live out the gospel. It's a call to private and public holiness in the midst of a hellish world. God's people are to live as lights in a lawless world. Think of the words, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. 
And one of the first things that Paul deals with is the subject of discord and disunity in the church. He addresses this by reminding the whole church of their responsibility to put other believers first, that they were to esteem each other better than themselves. Remember then, he uses the example of Christ, Philippians 2, 5 to 11, the drive home was point. That just as Jesus Christ lived a life of self-denial, a life of self-sacrifice on behalf of others, even to the point of the death of the cross, so we should strive to embrace, adopt, possess the very mind of Christ in our attitude and treatment of others. In Philippians 2 verse 12, he then returns to the theme of living out the gospel. And remember what he states in verses 12 and 13 has to do with the subject of the believer's holiness and sanctification in the world. Every born-again believer has, to be, has been set apart for a holy purpose. Sanctification, remember, begins at the new birth. Once you're born again of the Holy Spirit and made a new creature in Christ, that new creation begins to manifest itself in a desire for holiness and righteousness. And every believer who's born of the Spirit has implanted within them a new principle of righteousness and holiness and knowledge of God and knowledge after God. You see, what I'm saying this morning, what Paul is saying, is if we're born again, if there's been a work of grace in the soul, we will be marked by holiness. That there's a, a, a deep and real link between being born again and holiness. Or to use the technical terms, the doctrine of regeneration and the doctrine of sanctification. But always remember that sanctification, the principle of holiness, begins at the moment of the new birth. Also remember this morning that sanctification is a work. In contrast to regeneration, which is an act, regeneration takes place in a moment of time. One moment we're spiritually dead. Then the next moment, because of the work of the Spirit of God, we're spiritually alive. But sanctification is not an act. It's a work. And it's a work of God's free grace. And it's a lifelong process. And it only concludes when the Christian dies and goes to heaven. So from the day of the new birth, there should be in the life of the Christian a gradual dying unto sin and a gradual living more and more unto holiness. And of course there's times in the Christian life where we have to accept that we're making slow progress or no progress. There's a time when there's a degree of progress. And there's highs and lows, there are ups and downs, there's page of lapses, there's times of course of backsliding. But we must confess our sin and we must admit our failures to God. And we, we've got to recognize that this, this work goes on. And of course it's right and proper that we state that what goes on in the soul is a work of grace. Remember salvation is all of grace. We're not saved on account of our good works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We're not saved by them. We're saved by the grace of God alone. But also we're not saved without good works. Good works are not the ground of the believer's confidence, but merely the fruit. There must be a working out what God has worked in. Now, now let me state this quite clearly. We can't be holy, we can't live a life of holiness without the grace of God. And glory to God, we're not left to ourselves. We're not left to our own strength and power. The Lord is at work within us. 
and he creates those holy desires. He, 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 he um, produces within us by his spirit and grace the spiritual strength and we can trace it all back to one source, namely God himself. And yet here's the dichotomy. Sanctification. Holiness of life is our personal duty and responsibility. Think of the hymn, Take Time to Be Holy. Every believer must be actively involved, actively engaged in the pursuit of holiness. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. We are not passive in our sanctification. And that's what he's dealing with in Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13. And I've already preached in those subjects and sermons and I'm not going to go over all the ground. Remember, this is a personal, passionate, practical work. It's the individual, you and me, using the means of grace, using prayer, using the word of God on a daily basis, getting a word from the Lord in our quiet time. This is you and I using the sacraments properly. That this is you and I responding to providences that come into our life, even dark providences and trials and troubles and, and all these things we recognize. This is all a means so that we can press on with God, so we can enjoy God, so we can experience him. Many, of course, today think, well, it doesn't matter what we do or how we live. People sometimes think you can be saved and live like the devil. You can be careless and indifferent about spiritual things. But we must not fall into that snare. That there must not be an abuse or, or a misuse of the grace of God. Paul says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Remember, this work will always be imperfect. In this life, there's no such thing as sinless perfection. We're in a spiritual struggle a spiritual battle with the world, the flesh and the devil until we die. Now, having stated what Paul stated in verses 12 and 13, he continues. And this is what he says, and he's saying this to the whole church. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Why? That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Now, where do you and I live this morning? We, we, we have all our personal addresses, but I'm not thinking of a personal address. I'm thinking of a spiritual address. You see, as true believers, working out their salvation as God works in us by his grace and power, where does he live it all out or she live it out? And here's the answer. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. All these verses are connected. Paul remembers dealing with one subject from verse 27. Living out the gospel. Living in a hellish world. Living in a sinful world. And in the midst of all the corruption. And all the perverseness. We're called by God in this world to be holy. And I oftentimes ask myself the question. How can I live for God in a wicked place? How can I live for God in a sinful world? A place that advocates abortion and demand? A place where there's a big push for same-sex marriage? A place where there's 
immorality abounds in every hand. A place where there's a breaking of the Sabbath. A place where there's a preaching of atheism and young people are being told there is no God. A place of abandonment and lawlessness and regard to the law of God. How, how could I live here? This is a hellish environment. And here's the answer. Shine as lights in the world. I want to just leave you three things this morning as we think especially about verse 15. Here's how to live in this crooked and perverse nation. This hellish world. Remember your special relationship. Look at verse 15 and underline the words, the sons of God. Now, every true believer is in a personal, special relationship with God. If you're born again of the Holy Spirit this morning, you are a son or daughter of God. Every believer is God's by birth, God's by adoption. You've been brought into God's family. God has purchased you with the blood of his dear son, Jesus Christ. And what we can say this morning, not only in relation to um, the fact that I'm in the McLaughlin family, but, but we can say this morning in a spiritual sense, we are God's family. Therefore, we are family. And we have been brought together by God into this congregation, into this assembly, and we are brothers and sisters. And, and that is real. You see, this is not just a name. This is not just a title. How many this morning make a claim? How many can take the name Christian? Now, this is nothing new, of course. You think of politicians. And uh, maybe when they're coming up for election, they're looking for the evangelical vote. And they'll talk about, oh, my mother's church. Or they'll talk about, I've got my granddaddy's Bible here. And they'll want to thumb through it. And they'll talk about, oh, I, I attend church when I can. And I like the reverend so-and-so. He's a good preacher. He's a friend of mine. And what does all that to do? All that is influential information so that it taps into the notion of being Christian or, or, or Christianized. But, but I want to tell you, true Bible, but even Christianity, is more than a name. It's more than a title, more than a claim. See, I'll tell you what it involves. It involves a new birth. You must be born again. Have you been born again of the Spirit of God? Are you in a special relationship with the God of heaven this morning? Have you been adopted into God's family? Have you got a full and free and forever legal justification? Are you living a life in saving union with Jesus Christ? Do you have a desire for a life of personal holiness? Remember, every believer in Christ can address God as Father. Heavenly Father. In Christ we can look upon the Lord Jesus as our personal Redeemer. He has saved me. Not just that he saves, but he saved me. And the Holy Spirit indwells us. And the Holy Spirit is our sanctifier. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. And because God's our Father and Christ is our Redeemer and the Holy Spirit indwells us. And we're, we're, we're in God's family. Then we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not orphan children. We're not here just as individuals this morning. Yes, we, we, we are individuals. Yes, we're, we're part of 
literal and physical families. But let's remember we're rising above that and thinking about our spiritual family. And over these years from this congregation has been formed, God has not abandoned this family. Let's remember who we are. Who are we? We're the sons and daughters of the living God. Isn't this what John could say in John chapter 1 and in the verse 12? But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Let me ask you this morning, have you believed on his name? Which were born, he says, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And this relationship brings many privileges. And what I'm saying this morning is these privileges only belong to everyone who's born again of the Spirit. And therefore we're unique this morning. We're distinct from the rest of humanity. The the gathering of God's people for worship on the Lord's day is unique. We're not like any other social club. We're we're, we're not a, a sort of business Gathering together to, to, to enact things. We're the sons and daughters of God. Many, of course, talk today about the universal fatherhood of God. And also talk about the universal brotherhood of man. And that's where that song, Brothers and Sisters Are We, actually belongs to in a worldly sense. But I want to say this morning, while it's, we could argue the case that God is the father of all men by creation because all men and women are made in the image of God, God is not the father of all men by redemption. Remember, by nature, we're born sinners. We're born the children of wrath. We live out our lives as children of disobedience. And then the, the, the gospel came to our ears. Then we were told that we're sinners and we're souls and we needed to be saved. And I would encourage you this morning, if you're, you've never been born of the Spirit and want to be, confess your sinnership to God. Cry out, Lord, save me, I perish. And the Lord will save you this morning and bring you into his family and make you a new creature. And the Spirit of God will dwell within you. And you know what? You'll be the object of the Father's love. And the object of the Father's care. Remember that hymn that we sang this morning? It was based, of course, in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. That's what you are now. Not, not waiting to be. You are this already in the present world. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. In other words, the ungodly don't recognize it. They, they can't see it. They, they can't understand this special relationship. But... We know that when he shall appear, what? We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Let's realize this morning that God the Father in Christ loves us with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Maybe you're here and you don't feel loved. Just let that truth sink into your mind. Jesus loves me. He loves us freely, without money and without price. He doesn't say, you must do this for me to love you. He loves us personally, individually. 
He loves us this morning sacrificially. You only have to think of John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting. He loves us right unto the end. Having loved his own, he loved them unto the end. We are his this morning. And, 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 And we have many privileges, many wonderful benefits. And it's all because we belong to him. We have the privilege of prayer. We can call him Father. What what a privilege and blessing prayer is. And you think of prayer that God has heard in this meeting house all through the 42 years of its history here. Think of the great inheritance that we have. Not only here now, but but what awaits us in the kingdom of glory. See, See all the riches of Christ. They're ours in him. We're, we're, we're heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You think of the power that we can enjoy. All power is given unto me. And the power of Christ can become ours. And especially power and strength to live in, in the midst of a crooked and, and perverse nation. And because of who we are, this, this is what he's saying. We're to do all things without murmurings and without disputing. We're to be loving one to another because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to be loyal to each other. Remember, murmuring's a sin. Disputings. I don't know what was going on in the church of Philippi, but there was something going on that was troubling Paul. It was creating havoc in the church. It was harming the church's testimony. And of course, if there's murmurings and disputings, it leads not only to the uh, 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 harm the church testimony, but it leads to a poor individual testimony. Uh, and we, we want to be sons and daughters who walk with God. And, and, and Paul doesn't want disunity. He wanted it to stop. He didn't want discord. He's really saying, stop your grumbling. Stop your complaining. Stop your arguing with each other. So that, and what does he say? Look, look at what he says. Listen to what he says. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. Remember you're in a spiritual relationship. Secondly, remember you're in a spiritual partnership. Remember the context. He says in verse 12, if I link it up, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, because it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And where do we work this out? And here's the answer. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. In other words, in a world of spiritual darkness. In a world of spiritual sickness. Have you ever thought to yourself, whenever we get saved, wouldn't it have been so much easier if the Lord had said, now you've saved, you're born of the Spirit, I've adopted you into my family, and I'm bringing you straight home to heaven. And you're going to enjoy all the glories of that wonderful place. But why didn't he take us home immediately? Have you ever thought of that? Well, If you turn over to John chapter 17, remember his high priestly prayer. John 17, just before his death and crucifixion, he says in verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou should keepest them from 
the evil. Do you see that? There's why he didn't take us home to heaven immediately. Because of Christ's prayer. Christ prayed, remember our Redeemer, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou should keep us them from the evil. That's why we're here. He left us here to live and witness for him. Even in this messed up place, in this sick spiritual world. And, and why we're here is, and if you think of the, the context, <coughs> among whom you shine as lights in the world. We're here so that we can be lights for him. Remember he said in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Gospel of Matthew, in um, Matthew chapter 5, and it's the verse uh, 14, he says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And you see, that's our mission. That's our purpose. That's our goal. That's our objective. And I want to say this morning, that has been the objective when this meeting house was opened 42 years ago. When the children's work started and there was a Sunday evening service. Why was it instituted in the first place so that this place and the people who were here would be lights in this <coughs> sinful world? Now that's easy to forget. And I know that that's easy to overlook in a day-to-day -day living out the Christian life. But it's good to remember that we're not only in a special relationship, but we're also in this arrangement with God. As God works in us, as we work out with duty and responsibility, this principle of holiness, this is what God wants us to be. Lights for him. Let me just say very quickly, if you look at this word crooked, of course, crooked describes something, doesn't it? And uh, the actual Greek word has to do with the curvature of the spine. I'm sure that's a very difficult thing, uh, misalignment of the spine. But I, I've discovered as well in the geography of Philippi that there was a river running through the uh, territory of Philippi. And it was, uh, as they would say in Bush Mills terminology, as crooked as the hind leg of a donkey. It was wound back and forth. In other words, it was bent and warped. And... What Paul is saying to this church in Philippi, even though you lived in a bent and warped and messed up place as Philippi, you're to light up that place where you live for Jesus Christ. So whether that's your school, whether that's your home, whether that's your workplace, or whether that's in society, that's what we're to do. And think of this word perverse. Because that, that word perverse is a very, very strong word. And it, it means to deviate from what is right and good. And what is true and proper. And of course the, the force of the Greek word is this is a, a continual perverseness. This is a, a, an ongoing thing. And don't we live in a day when truth is called a lie? Don't we live in a day when lies are embraced and the truth is disregarded? Uh, don't we live in a day when uh, people call that which is dirty? Uh, pure uh, and call that which is pure uh, unclean isn't this right back to the days of Isaiah 
Remember what we read in Isaiah chapter 5 and in the verse 50. And Isaiah dealt with us because he too lived in a crooked and perverse uh, nation. Uh, and he says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. It is many other woes to say. The Lord Jesus, it's interesting to note, also spoke about this uh, world in which we live. Let me just read the verses. Uh, I'll not explain them. Uh, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 23. This is what the Lord Jesus said. Matthew chapter 12 and verse um, uh, 23. Sorry, I have the wrong reference. At Matthew 17 and verse 17. Matthew 17 and 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring them hither to me. Now, now if we live in a faithless and perverse generation, well, what are we to do? Run away and hide. Go on a holiday. No, we're to remember that we're here in a mission. And you and I are to do something very special for God. And that is we're to shine for him. Matthew 5 and 16. Ye are the light of the world. In order to confront the darkness. In order to confront the sickness of this messed up world. You and I are to shine forth the light of the gospel. In other words we're to show off Christ. I'm a son of God. I'm a Christian. We're to shine out. Because of his shining in our hearts. And very quickly this morning. Let me just tell you what this involves. This involves a, a private holiness. In the context of dealing with discord and disagreement. Murmurings and disputings. Paul's really saying. You're only hurting yourself. You're harming your testimony as a church. The public are watching you. And you need to stop that. And you need to change. And the responsibility is in each individual believer. Remember that you might be blameless. Free from guilt. Give, give no occasion for others to accuse you of, of wrongdoing. Harmless. It means unmixed or, or sincere. Think about gold. It doesn't look like gold. Or, or gold mixed with impurities. Or something that has some gold in it. No, it, it's, it's pure gold. In other words, it's not full of guile. It, it can be, be injured or, or harmed by no one. That, that word harmless is only mentioned in Matthew 10, 16 and Romans 16 and verse 19. And that's what it means. Unmixed, sincere. It involves a private holiness. It involves a public holiness without rebuke. Without giving someone a handle to blame. Without people complaining about your life. Remember our private life affects and impacts upon our public witness. So every believer must have a a shown holiness. Think of Daniel living in ungodly Babylon. That's where he lived and worked. Remember he was in the king's palace. And they tried their best to harm him. To hurt him. They could find fault with nothing about him. Except the fact that he worshipped Jehovah. Remember this morning. Remember why we're here. We're on a mission to shine for Christ. And it's not easy. And yes, we're surrounded and live in a messed up, fallen, sick world with loads of spiritual sick people. Yet we're to shine as lights in the world. And as the hymn writer says, and we're going to sing it in closing in um, 
690, uh, the children's hymn, Jesus Bids Us Shine with a Clear Pure Light. One final thing this morning. Remember your sacred employment. Look at verse 16. Holding forth the word of life. See, see, that's the job. And that's been the job and task that was commissioned to this church 42 years ago, 22 since its constitution. And that's what we've been seeking to do. That's what I've been seeking to do these past 19 years as your minister. Holding forth the word of life. You see, as we live out the gospel as a church, as you live out the gospel as an individual Christian, you're to hold forth the word of life. Yes, there has to be the preaching of the gospel. We must make known what we call the free offer of the gospel. We must hold it forth. It must be displayed for all to see. We must hold it fast, remember. The Bible tells us, buy the truth and sell it not. And if you think about this world, crooked and perverse nation, what are we to do in a dark and sick world? What, what do individuals need? They need to see Christ. They need to hear the gospel. Remember, they're dead in trespasses and sins. They're darkened by sins. They're defiled and destroyed by sins. There's a, a big discontentment. There's a lack of, of true happiness in the world. Because the Bible says happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Many have no purpose. And what can we do to, to reach out into this darkened, sinful, sick world? Well, here's the answer. Hold forth the word of life. And brethren, sisters, as we come to a close this morning, as you think about next Lord's Day moving into the new church building, where we're going to have extra space, we're going to have loads more empty seats, then you and I have an awesome responsibility. And that is to realise, not only am I in a special relationship, not only have I been brought into a spiritual relationship, arrangement where God is working through me so I can shine out the gospel. Let's remember this secret employment <coughs> where to hold forth the word of life. Not just the church collectively but, but individually. Christ must be set forth. A crucified risen Christ. A Christ who saves and keeps. A Christ who satisfies. A Christ who sanctifies. We, we must speak to others about Christ. We, we must compel others to come in to hear the word of God. The gospel must not be hid. But you know it will be hid. If there's sin in our lives. Many today sadly who profess the name of Christ. Have little light. There's no clear shining testimony. And to those people. I encourage you and me. To be their light. And you're saying to me this morning. Do you know pastor. I'm a bit fearful. And I understand that. And you're saying to me, but, but I'm timid and bashful. I, I, I couldn't speak to someone. The Lord can give you strength. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And if you want to live to let your light shine, then have no part in a world that murmurs about God. No part in a world that disputes that even God exists or, or the things of God. No, no, no part in a world whose thinking and view is, is anti-Christian and unbiblical. You, you desire to be different. Because let's remember who you are. I'm a son of God. Let's remember your mission and purpose. I'm to be a light for Jesus. 
And the work that he's given to me is to hold forth the word of life. And if my purpose is to shine and hold forth the word of life, then I'll invite my neighbours. I'll invite my work colleagues. I'll say to my school friends, would you come to our church on a Sunday night? We must re-engage with the community. We, we must have a passion and a burden for souls. That, that equally applies to me. More so applies to me than anyone else here. And that's a challenge for us as we move forward. But I, I, I could have preached a different message this morning. But I, but I felt if we just stick to our series that we've been working on as we come to a close. Just remember three things. Your special relationship if you're born of the Spirit. You're, you're a son of God. And all the privileges and what that means. And you're in a spiritual relationship or a spiritual arrangement. You're, you're to shine as a light. And here's your employment. Hold forth the word of life. May the Lord take these few words this morning and bless them to our hearts. Remember the service in particular. <clears throat> Communion service will be now. And remember the evening service then, 6.30. And then the special message. The final message in the old house.